Hello, I'm Karina Gibargazov, the founder of Mission Magazine. I normally do these podcasts with my co-host Charlene Spiteri, singer and songwriter from the UK band Texas. And we are, but this time I thought it'd be good to flip it around this time and interview her. We started these podcasts together over a year ago, and I wanted to find out how last year was for her and talk about the launch of Texas's new album. We revisit some of her past, being bullied at school, working again with the Wu-Tang Clan, Texas's 30th anniversary, and also what it's like writing new material in lockdown. Sure, we all know what this is like by now. Please tune in for a real and raw podcast with my co-host and dear friend, Charlene Spiteri. I was listening, I was saying to you earlier that I was just listening to some of your songs and they, woof, they create such emotion in me. But I was just, I was also listening to Hi and I saw the video again and it's such a fantastic video. But there's such a great vibe to it. It's a real toe tapping. And when I first heard this was in your house, I think last. God, you heard it a long time ago. February, nearly a year ago, I think, or March, just before, obviously before lockdown. Um, when it happened and um was it no but was it not even further back than that because you wouldn't have seen me did you see me after my mum passed away no that's what I'm saying so it was it was way before that I'm thinking you never because my mum passed away and yeah. I, I went to Scotland in February the whole of February I was there the last time you saw me was when we did the live yes and because that was the day that was literally, I came out of when we were doing that that live thing at Soho House. Yeah. And um, I got the phone call as I came down the stairs. That's right. That was how it happened. And I got straight on a sleeper train that night to Scotland and I never went back. That's right. Um, and that was the last time you saw me. So you heard it way before that. Gosh, yeah. You maybe heard it in January. It might have been January. It might have been January. Because we probably met up before we did that thing. Yes, yeah, I think so, because it was, yeah, we'd gone to the, I'd seen you at the O2, uh, do the Chris Evans thing, we didn't look at it then, because... That was Christmas? Yeah, and that was when Brim Hubby was sitting in front of the fireplace and wasn't coming, and then we went, God. and then I think it was a, uh, a bit after that, but um, yeah, I was looking, I was watching the video, and it was so cool, and then as he goes to open the trunk of the car, boot of the car, I'm thinking... God, wouldn't that be cool if she's in there? And then your face appears. I'm like, oh my God, she's in the back of the car. You know, I I love that. Um, Fen, um, Fen O'Malley, who did the who did the video, who directed the video, she wrote all the script and everything. It was really funny because she was like, "How do you feel about getting in the boot of a car?" Because at first I was like, you know, we I don't care if I'm in the video or not in the video. It'd probably be cooler, you know. And she said, "Okay, that that's that's interesting, but I really like you to be in it because I think it would be." Her whole, I mean, she's just really young, interesting. She makes the most amazing short films and films and stuff like, you know, does advertising and everything, photography. She's just this really interesting woman who is just filled with loads of creative juices. And she said to me, um, she says, no, I'd really like you in it, but I want to also tell the history. And I thought that was quite good because she'd put the Wu-Tang in Texas and there was all the history of you know, the Brit Awards and then this and that and the whole fan thing with Kadeem. And Kadeem's just, you know, he's he's just such an amazing actor and he really threw himself into it. It was just, like, great, but the set was amazing as well. The amazing. Whole, you know, we went to this amazing house and the way that the set designers had just, like, 
got all this memorabilia. Oh, fantastic. That's, that's, I was looking at, as I know you, I was looking at the posters and trying to pick, see, and there was a great one of you in the van and you've got a denim jacket on. I know. And you must have been, I don't know, 1920 or something, like really young. Yeah, it was. So it was a brilliant touch to the video, brilliant touch. Yeah. Because it's also, obviously, like I just said, I, I've known you a long, long time, so it was great just to see and say, oh, look at her there, look at her there, and also for your fans. And you, you, but you remember those times as well. Like there's, there's lots of it that you'll remember. Like, yes, yeah. You know, when we were hanging out and doing sessions and doing the face and everything and doing all that stuff, and there is a good history to the band you know for me it's strange sometimes because when you look at music and and you look as well at, at women in music there's really not there's not a lot of us that have hung in there yeah yeah because it's 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 really male dominated because you know they'll get the pats in the backs and the accolades and this that and the next thing but actually the real truth is is that the women in music you know, historically, have been the ones that have shifted the massive numbers. When they're successful, they're like really successful, and it's it's that that's what what the amazing thing is about it. That's actually brings me on to another. I had another question further down. You, you talk about this new documentary series about sexism in the industry, um, and it just made me think. You started Texas, you know, some years ago. It's your thirtieth anniversary. Yeah, I mean, we we were nineteen eighty six when we formed. Yeah. Wow. 89 when we put the first album out. Do you think there's, um, obviously there's a difference in, in attitudes and things have changed and grown in technology. Would you have rather started that career now? Do you think it would have been easier? So then and there's still the challenges. No, no. It's easier to make a record now physically. There's just so many different avenues you can go down now. I mean, then it was really, really hard because... Um, you had to have a, you basically had to have a record deal because you couldn't afford to go into a studio and, and, and make a record. You know, it cost a lot of money. You know, the, the, all records are made on a like quarter inch and half inch tapes and you needed desks and all this. I mean, now basically we can like have a computer and if you've got a computer with a program, that you can make a record basically. You know, even if you get garage band or something, you can make a record. You can, it's a lot easier to make records and, you know, you can put your music up on streaming systems and everything. So there's that. But, you know, as far as like, no, I absolutely wouldn't want it to, to change. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change. I wouldn't change anything about even the downs. I wouldn't change anything about our journey because I'm really happy with where we are and I'm happy with what I've learned and, yeah. Yeah. Do you think it's helped being in a band with, with guys? So you've not been like a female solo artist? Well, no, because it made, it's, it's made it harder for things. It's made it harder for things like being a female-fronted band. Like, you're never going to win like a best band, ever. Wow. It's never going to happen. Forget it. It's just, a female-fronted band's never going to win. Whereas you get more chance of winning any like awards or anything as a single female artist because then you're in that category. Yes. But as far as like best bands, I don't I don't know if any females have ever won that. Like any female fronty band. That's incredible. Isn't that incredible? It shouldn't maybe maybe Rhythmics has won it or something, I don't know, but um I'm just trying to think, but no, there's not a lot. Yeah. 
Um, how did you get? How did your first collaboration with Wu Tang come about? How did they, how did they, you get on you? They get on your radar. It basically happened um, because of uh, because of cars. Um, so the guy that does our T-shirt, the guy that is in charge of all our T-shirts and stuff like that, all our merchandise and everything, is a really good friend of us. Taught a guy called Tom Bennett in New York, and our manager, um, Rab, was in seeing Tom Bennett and um, Power, who is the cousin of Riza and uh, the management were in the offices and Rab had on a, and there was this conversation about G-Wagons and cut, and he, they said to Rab, well, what do you do? And he says, oh, I manage a band called Texas. So at that point, Say What You Want was out. And they were like, ah, yeah, the, the little, with the girl in the blue and the, you know, they knew, they knew the song, they knew the video and, and um, they were like, ah, oh, yeah, I like that song and everything. And so Rab just was checking in the next day from New York. We were in the UK and he phoned and he's like, oh, I ran into the Wu-Tang. And oh, they really like, we were like, they like the record. Oh, my God. I've got goosebumps. Well, you know that thing where like, turn it around, go back in um, and ask them if they want to do so, if they'd like to do something. Because we kind of thought it'd be really interesting um, that sound, that like gutsy, really, you know, the great thing about the Wu Tang is like no one ever knows what they're going to do. It's like you just don't know what they're capable of. It's like they're a law unto themselves. And they were like outlaws, and we called Texas, and you know, it was like, <laughs> you know, that whole thing where it's like, oh, that makes total sense. And, yeah, yeah. And as well, like, you know, if you listen to the Wu Tang as well, the, I mean, number one, the lyrically, and musically, it's just phenomenal. But the different, the, the the really distinctive sounds of, you know, ODB and RZA and Chef Raekwon and it's like in Ghostface and Method Man. The, the, the individual sounds of their voices are really, really different from each other and they're re they really stand out. You know exactly which one's coming in where. And rhythmically as well, they're all very different to each other. And we were like, this could really, really work. So we approached them and asked, and, and they were like, yeah, let's do it. And then off we went to New York, just myself and Johnny. And ended up in this studio in New York. We ended up in the, the studio where Tupac got shot and um, actually ended up getting banned from it <laughs> on the night of the shoot with the, for the face magazine and it was really weird as well not weird but when we turned up originally um odb was supposed to be doing the rap on it and odb had been arrested so he was in prison that night and it was really funny because we didn't find out until we'd just done this documentary like last year or the year before actually forgetting years because of our pandemic yes um, yes we um i didn't find out that method man had written the rap for say what you want based on that british people were pirates oh i read that i read that yeah and and i was literally like we never knew that and, and he <laughs> had this perception of british people were all smuggling stuff and raping and pillaging cities and towns well you know like it was really funny so that's when he starts he goes yo ho ho a bottle of rum and it's like and off he goes and you you're thinking Wow, I mean, he'd, he'd actually 
come up with this co this whole concept of right the british I'm, I'm going to make it on that whole front of that's what you can say what you want but i won't change your mind so it was it was really it was really really cool to find that out you know i love it when he's given it staten island with the challenge and everything it's like <laughs> exactly it's such a great great rap and it's like it's the same with high as well now when you i mean talking to you know talking to rizza and and seeing like bits of footage of him like his he, he was saying that he'd been going round and round high and literally coming up with like, where do I want to what perspective do I want to write it from and um he was in bed with his partner and um and and he came up with this whole when you listen to him it's like when, when he says you in a white dress looking your very best and everything and it's like it's talking about relationships and marriage and probably that feeling and where he's coming from. And it's like, it's really interesting to hear, you know, someone else's take on something that, that myself and Johnny have written. You know, we've written our version and then they take a part of what you've written and they come up with where they see it from. Yes. And that's yeah. the great thing about songs. You know, I've always said that if you if, when we're live on stage it's amazing to stand on stage and you look out at an audience and you can just see them mouthing the words and singing along to the song passionately and you know that the person that they're standing next to and the person that they're standing next to it's like it's almost like if you put a load of clouds over an audience there were little videos in it of what they're thinking of and what their meaning and emotion is at that moment at time of that song, they'd all be completely different. Oh, gosh, yeah. and, and that's why music does cross over to all ages, all sexes, all, you know, it goes across the world of people that don't even speak the same language as you, but for some reason they've got this feeling and this emotion and this idea, even though maybe they don't understand exactly what you're saying or because they don't need to understand ex what you are saying. They just need to understand the sentiment and the idea of this is something that you're that's touching you and that you believe in and it's an emotion, the feeling that you're having. And people just literally lock into an emotion and they, 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 they lock into a feeling and it's their perception of, of the feeling that, that they're having while listening to that bit of music. That must feel so nice is too soft a word, but that must feel so um, gratifying to you and powerful to you. Because there's one I've said this to you so many times. That's why I was in tears earlier this morning doing research on you. One song that I, I carry in my heart the whole time and I'll have this emotion till I die is Halo. Yeah. That song to me is connected to losing my mum and it's got such a, it brings such a wave. But even when we heard High in your house, you and I were chit-chatting in the hallway and you went, oh, come and join, have a listen. And you just, and I didn't expect it. You said, I've got a surprise. It's Wu-Tang. I went, what? <laughs> oh, my God, and you were dancing in front of the... Boys, we're back with our gang again. Yeah, it was brilliant. But it's just, it's, it's so, I, I think it's so often underestimated, the power of music and how it can make you feel and pick pick you up and also bring you down sometimes but well I mean I, that's how I listen to other people's music as well I mean music is so important to me for you know, it's funny I had to write something yesterday um about um a playlist that I had put together and pick a song within the playlist and why that song's on my my playlist and and I and you know I'd never really I'd never really thought about it and it's funny because it's so deep rooted 
what a song is to you because to me suddenly when I started writing I loved life but I hated the world I was in you know I was really badly bullied at school um and the idea of getting up every day you know I'd come in I'd get shit kicked out me on the way home for school and then I would get in and you know I remember it's like closing the door of the house get into to, to my mom and dad's my mum my was out working my dad was at sea my, it was my sister and I were there calling and um and it was just literally getting in and then you would like the adrenaline would still be like pumped through your body and then eventually you start calming down and you'd have dinner and the rest of it and then it'd be that point where you go to bed again and suddenly it would all start again you think oh no I need to get up for school and everything and the music at that point was you know I was like I was in my bedroom I had like a double tape deck wow <laughs> had a dance out record player and and you know my music was everything and and I just remember Susie Sue singing, this is the happy house, we're happy here um, in the happy house. And But it was that real, like, this really disturbing sound to it. And it was like lyrically what she was saying, the house is happy, but really I'm not. And for me, that that song meant everything to it. was like my, my escape, my music was my escape. My music was that moment to try and make me forget that I was being really badly bullied at school and that, that I wasn't happy at school. I was totally happy at home, you know. And my parents, I could tell my parents anything, but I chose not to. Right. And it just was like a really weird time for a few years in my life. And and it's funny because having to write that about the song um, suddenly like reminded me exactly, you know what, I love that. I love that. I still love that song to this day, but it holds that 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 part of my life really in the little bubble that literally, boom, I'm in my bedroom, I'm in my own little world, I'm in a safe place. But it's saying, the, the way the song sounds and the way the song is lyrically for me, it's saying that I'm good here, but out there, I'm not. I don't fit in. It's not, it doesn't work for me. Wow. wow. What age were you when that was? When, is it early teens? So, yeah, it was, yeah, so it was, it was 80. The song came out in 80. I was born in 67. So yeah, I was thirteen. Wow! Did your sister know about the bullying? Um, no, because my sister wasn't at secondary school yet. It was just when I went to secondary school. Right, right. Um, so my sister was still at primary. Oh wow, wow! But you know, it was quite funny. I saw, I saw a sketch. Um, I went to see, I went to see, um, oh, what's his name? Anyway, oh, come to me. Chris Rock. Chris no. Rock. Yes. Chris yeah. Rock. It's Chris Rock. I went to see Chris Rock live in um, in London a few years ago. And he told this whole story about anybody that's never been bullied doesn't come to anything. If you've had the shit kicked out you a lot of the times in your life, literally you either rise or you fall <laughs> stop laughing it's like oh my god it's so true because so many people that I do know literally that have been bullied yeah have gone on to do yeah like I think I don't know whether it's there's there's that fight and that determination of you to survive um but I, I do think there's an element of it and I think what he said was really really true and is is horrible and as sad as it is that when it happens it's like it's like 
God, yeah, I think it has got a lot to do with who I am, how I handle, you know, even my my work meetings, people like how I handle the record company. And and honest to God, see if I see an element of bullying coming in on anything, it's literally if I feel that somebody's kind of giving me a bit like, I can feel the bristles like standing on the back of my neck and I'm a bit like, I'm going to stop you there. And it's literally like, we're not going to go down this route because you are not going to bully me into making a decision that I don't want to make. I was going to say, how do you handle it? Do you just feel like before and walk away from it? But no, you're as you're grown up now, more experienced. Like yeah, as I'm, grown, as I'm grown up and I understand that, because, you know, to tell, to go back to when I was bullied, the point of the, bully, the bullying stopped was at the point when I turned and basically I got suspended from school. The other girl got suspended from school. I was like, you know, I literally ended up in a full physical fight. But for me at that moment as a kid, I mean, I felt I was fight- I was fighting for my life because I was absolutely terrified. But now, but I realised that when, as soon as I went, no, that's not going to happen. That was at the point where it stopped. So now at the way that I handle it is, is that, yeah, I still, I still, I can literally feel myself getting into a cold sweat. And if I see someone else being bullied in a situation, I can't help get involved. I'm literally, ah, really not cool. And it's quite funny because, you know, Bryn, my, my husband, sometimes there'll be something happening or, you know, a situation somewhere and I'll be like, Excuse me, and he's like, "Why do you always need to get involved? Why do you need to get your big fat nose in at everything?" And I'm like, "Can't help myself. Can't help myself." That was one of my questions. Does he have the same? Do you have the same music taste, you two, you and your husband? No, because really, he literally he knows certain songs, but he doesn't know who they are, and he likes the bands that he likes, and it's funny as well because he's ten years younger than me as well, so. A lot of my music is way later. Yes, I mean yeah. he thinks I listen to like crazy stuff. You know, he'll come in sometimes and I'll be listening to Transylvanian Gypsy music, and he's like, "What are you listening to?" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I just love this." You know, like accordions and pure Dracula and stuff. And I'm like, I, I like different things. And like, there's this radio station that I love listening to that seriously, he says to me sometimes, it's like living, living with his grandmother. And um, <laughs> there's a radio station that I love. It's called Angel Radio. It's a radio station that's hosted by old age pensioners. That's amazing. And I love this. I discovered this radio station maybe about ooh, eight years ago, maybe no longer than that, maybe 10 years ago, um, I was doing regional radio. So when we do regional radio, like you go and visit all the stations all around the country. So you go to all the regional radios and you go in and you'll do an interview and whatever. Um, and and I was doing that and we were down in um, Southampton. I think it's down in Southampton, but it's right down that, that part of the UK. And um, I, I, I was always, when we were in the car, because you drive from station to station, you, you know, you're literally out for about four or five days and you're literally, it's you, the radio plugger guy, and you're sitting in the car. So I'm always messing about listening to the radio or playing records and singing, because you know, you just got to get through it. Yeah. And um, I found this station late at night and I was like, oh my 
God, this is genius. Because literally there's somebody coming on, hello, so today we'll be playing Glenn Miller's Big Band. And we will be, and it's all that kind of stuff. And and literally sometimes they forget, like they're like, oh, wait, wait, wait. Oh, get the needle. And they're literally putting the needle on the record and some of the stuff and some of it's not queued up properly. And, you know, I, I think, some of it is not in the system so like it's not all some of it will be computerized but some of it's not and some of they actually play the record and it's genius is i absolutely love this radio station and he's like seriously what is wrong with you oh i'm gonna listen to that i love varied music yeah angel radio you've got to listen you get you just go on your computer and just put an angel radio and honest to god it's brilliant and it's really good because you hear a lot of records that you because a lot of it's way before way before my time and um yeah i mean i love i love music you know that's the thing is i love music i love new music i love old music i love i love i love finding something that i don't know about the same with films. Yeah, yeah. I love movies. I'm literally like, I love a good movie. It's just for me. I'm like, oh, what, what is that? And oh, who is that? And oh, that's great. And it, yeah, it really, it really is. I, I like the fact that I've got this jukebox in my brain of sounds and and records that I can just play them whenever I want. I can hear them in my own head. I know that you. I know that you. You've always been a massive fan of Motown. Oh yeah, always. When did you when did you discover Motown? When you were a little a young girl? Yeah, I was a kid. I mean, my my record collections came from my parents. My first record collection came from my parents, and that was for me. Um, you know, I'd play all their records, and my mum was into my mum was into like soul and blues and jazz. Wow. So my mum had things like she her my mum's record collection was things like Mahalia Jackson and Ella Fitzgerald and Al Green and Marvin Gaye and but it was all like um, Tammy Terrell and and Marvin and all that stuff and all those records and my my real start was Marvin Gaye and Tammy Terrell records that I wow. was oh my god obsessed by the two of them singing and you know just the way they would bounce off each other and 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 Marvin for me. I never tire of his voice or his songs or his sound in his feel, his songwriting. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed by Marvin Gaye. I've always been obsessed with Marvin Gaye. You know, every time I listen, I could listen to the same song forever that Marvin Gaye, one song, if you gave me one song and I'd listen. And I guarantee you that I would hear something different every time I heard it. Like his breath, his the way he'll move around a word or a melody, and the way he can hold back, you know, the way that Marvin Gaye can hold back is like no other. It's just beautiful, and apparently he was so hot. Yeah, <laughs> I could sing. Oh my God, was Marvin Gaye sexy? Marvin Gaye, the sexiest man that's ever walked the planet, as far as I'm concerned. I literally look at Marvin Gaye, and I just go. Oh my God, <laughs> so beautiful, like just beautiful. I mean, Jesus, yeah. Um, I love that uh, that you um, said this, t- said that to. Um, uh, I think it was Method Man when he got nervous when you were going to do a live performance initially, and you went, "I'm your Tammy, you're my Marvin, come on." That was it. We were doing the Brit Awards, and Mar- and, and Method Man goes. So Method goes like to me, and so he says, "So John, John goes like that." He says, "He says, I, I think I'm just going to sing," and I went, "Oi, come here." 
And he went, I'm kind of feel, and I was like, and there was, you know, there was thousands of people at the, the, the Brit Awards and the, you know, the big show, all the big record company executives are out there, everybody's there. He's just flown in from New York on Concord. We flew him in on Concord to make sure they got on a bloody plane. Um, <laughs> and we were like, get on Concord. And, and literally we had the best laugh um, because I remember all the Spice Girls coming down to the dressing room and they're like, sure can you introduce us to Method Man, please? And I was like, so I went in the day, I was like, I was like, oi, John, John, do you want, do you want me to Spice Girls? And he was like, hell yeah. I, was like, <laughs> I just remember all the girls standing around, they were just like, oh, he's so handsome. And I was like, yeah, he's cool. So um, we just had such a great day waiting to do the performance. Then when the performance came, uh, Meth was literally like, oh, I think I'm, I was like, look, this is the way we're doing it. You and me, or Tammy and Marvin for the 90s, right? Look in my eyes. Just think Tammy and Marvin. We are the modern-day Tammy and Marvin, and off we went. And literally, we were just like, did that just happen? Like, it was so fast. It was so fast. I'd just come back from New York making the record, and the Brits had called me in, and because they were always really, remember, they were always fam- they were really famous for doing collaborations, like putting these amazing collaborations, like J.K. and Diana Ross and everything together, and they were always famous for putting these. And so they called me in and they said, okay, so we have an idea. And say only the the, the Wu-Tang version of Say What You Want hadn't been out yet, and um, Say What You Want had been a big hit earlier on in the year. And they said to us, um, how do you feel about singing with Smokey Robinson? And and I remember going, oh. and then I remember going, do you know what? I'd love to sing with Smokey, but people are going to expect me to sing with somebody like Smokey Robinson or something because of the record we'd made. And I says, we've just made a record. We've just done Say What You Want with the Wu-Tang Clan. How about we get you the Wu-Tang Clan? Wow, I've just got goosebumps. Wow. Yeah, and they were like, they were like, Right. Oh, okay. Um, so you can the Wu Tang clan. Oh God, does that not maybe it's a bit Oh, someone's been in prison and arrested. Oh like, oh, I don't know. I mean literally I'm not kidding. You see when we got when the Brits got us there and they put Method Man on a dip like everyone was down in the middle of all these like big porter cabins and they put Method Man like three floors up or something in a different part of the building and we were like where's Meth's dressing room? And they were like, oh, you know, we thought it might be a comforting, just in case he kicks off or anything. We were like, okay. And literally just not long before the show started, if you don't move him down, we're pulling out. We're like, wow. Because wow. Texas will not perform if you don't get Method Man down in the dressing room right next to us within the next 10 minutes. And so all kicked off and, you know, probably why I've never won in a, a Brit Award. <laughs> Yet, oh, I, what are they going to give us? Swingers <laughs> in the room? Come on! Anyway, I just have this vision of you presenting Angel Radio. <laughs> Angel Radio, the home of pure nostalgia. That's the tagline. That is the tagline. Angel Radio, the home of pure nostalgia. God, do you just love that? I love That's it. Genius, genius. Well, you got awarded recently at the Scottish Awards. You got an iconic awards, was it November? Oh, I've had loads. Of, I mean, we've been really lucky. We've had loads of awards. We've yes. Been, you know, radio awards, 
music awards all over the world and we've been really lucky but you know at the end of the day the way I always look at it you can have all the awards in the world if you ain't selling any records it means jack shit and we sell shit loads of records so I'm a bit like you know for me selling loads of records just means that millions of people get to hear it so I'm just like I'm like the more people that hear it then for me, I'm doing a better job because I'm like I'm a bit like I'm a bit like that is that's why I want I wanted to be in a band and make music because I wanted everyone in their auntie to hear our music. I'm literally like, that's what I want. I want to be dead and gone and the music's still going and people go, oh, Do you remember that band Texas? I really like them. What do you know just that for me? You know, my grandchildren will be able to go, God, do you remember do you know that's how our grandmother made those records? You know, I'm like to me I'm a bit like yeah, thank you. Well, you also, I mean, did you ever think you'd have a 30th anniversary? Jesus, no. I mean, it's mad because it seems like yesterday. I remember sitting in the sitting in our friend Sparky's house with Johnny and going, Johnny saying to me, have you ever written a song before? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. <laughs> I'd done the odd dad poetry in my bedroom as a sad teenager. <laughs> Do you write songs? Yeah. It's like, holy yeah. And you know, because you know what people might not know is that Johnny had already been in two massive successful bands, <laughs> been in altered images, and had had numerous hit records, and then was in Hipsway with numerous hit records again. And there was me, you know, had been a, was still a hairdresser at that point. It was the week before my eighteenth birthday, and I was literally like, "Yeah, that right songs." <laughs> Who are you? You know, literally like a twat. <laughs> so yeah, it is and, and and that feels I'm not kidding you, that literally feels like yesterday. It feels like yesterday. You know, after you forget. It's it's weird, like my my life feels so normal. Like, you know, I've got a daughter, I've got a husband, I've got you know a dog. I still a dog. Don't forget the dog. The dog's most oh, important. We'll person. be talking about the dog and its hair in a minute. Oh my god! <laughs> but that you know that in itself is that seems like a mile away. But in in my brain, it's still it's one thing. I'm still that exact same person. You know, for me, I'm like the exact same person. I still have that excitement and that. Ooh, we're going to make a record. Yeah, you know, I still have that excitement when we make records. You know. Sometimes some records are harder than others, but the last couple of albums, you know, this album High and um, the, the album before Jump War, I mean, they've, they've been such joyous records to make and like the, the, the feeling and the emotion has felt really up and positive and they've been a lot of fun to make. Some records are not a lot of fun to make, but these have been, these, this, this was a lot of fun to make. That's got to make. That's got to be why it's a thirtieth anniversary. Like, if you if you weren't into your career anymore, or weren't excited, or have that passion, you wouldn't have got this. No one would have got you know so far if they didn't have that drive still. And you clearly have, and and you love it. Yeah, but I've also got the advantage, and we've got the advantage. I mean, there's not a lot of people that get to do something that they absolutely love in life. But also, as well, I think. 
the really important thing in, 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 in anything that you're going to do is to be able to ride the, the lows as well as the highs. And, you know, and it's about keeping, it's about balancing them out because, you know, if you if your ego runs riot and you turn into a nutcase, which we've, we've seen it, you know, you and I have seen people, not just in music, but we've seen people, they go, yeah, but it must, it must be hard for them. They come in at such a young age and I'm like, shut up. It's not hard. what is hard to have people running after you and basically want to be part of what it is you do. No, it's not hard. It's not hard to go to bed each night and be able to lay your head on the pillow and think, yeah, I can pay all the bills and I can live in a really nice way. That I can buy a car, I can do this, I can put my children through school and, you know, I can create a life for my family that most people can that that allows you what all that on your plate turns you into an arsehole. I'm sorry. You're either an arsehole or you're not an arsehole. And that is what it all comes down to. So, you know, I'm literally, I don't fall for that. Oh, it must have been difficult for them. Bless. Shut up. I love it when you have a rant. I love it when you have a rant. But you've always done, but that's back to your, your upbringing and your parents and, and who you are as a person because, We've known each other a long time. You've never changed. You've never, like everything you're talking about, how you would get Method Man dressing room down next to yours and you're always standing up for the, the person that needs, you know, fighting in their corner. You've always, you've never, you, there's never been an ego with you. And I think that comes down to people's upbringing. It might go down back down to the bullying as well. You know, nobody, nobody stood up for me when I was having the shit kicked out me. So... That felt lonely. That felt bad. That made me feel really sad. So, yeah, I think maybe that element is always there. It's funny. Peter Kay said to me years ago, he says, you know what's really funny? He says, the thing about you, he says, it's, it's part of the, the success and the charm. He says, is that you and your brain, you think you're still a hairdresser and that somebody's going to rumble you. You're going to find out that you're an <laughs> asset. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, Mr. Miyagi, smoke mirrors. <laughs> how's your how's your friendship gone for so long with Johnny? I mean, that's just remarkable. You guys been oh, friends oh, the fact so that we killed each other is hysterical. <laughs> that's what I meant to say. <laughs> right, you know the two. So you've seen us going at it. It's literally like. Unbelievable. Because we're both, we're both strong characters and we're and, and the importance of, you know, never underestimate the importance of what we, for, for us, what we do. You know, we take it dead serious. There's so much pride in both of us of, of, of how the records sound, how well they're written, what the artwork is on them, that everything's exactly right. And, you know, it's, it's because of the two of us with that, pushing, pulling, you know, relationship that we have, that we get, we we hope that we keep the standards really, really high. You know, we wind each other up no end. I mean, literally, it's like, shut up. You know, the two of us are literally, <laughs> I mean, the truth is, is that probably if the two of us, if, if somebody did, a, you know, one of those hidden cameras on us, it would probably be one of the best, it would be, it put everybody else to shame because it's you know you you've heard us go into moments of absolute. I mean, I think did did you not see me in Milan when I broke my wrists? I tried to punch him. No, I tried to punch him one time. We were having an argument over a mix, 
and and he's like oh he he went like that to me we said oh sharp like this to me and i went oh like this in in the principe went to punch him missed him smacked the wall and ended up in the hospital in, in Milan and had to came back the next morning, all the band were there, and I had a, a, a full-on cast on my arm and everybody, the whole band, this is what I get. They're like laughing their heads off at me. They're like, that's my band for you. Literally laughing at me. That just shows the power behind the punch as you were going in. <laughs> you weren't just gonna tap it. See if it see if it connected and knocked him into next week. He and then when I walked, he went like that. That's what you get. That's what he said to me when I came back. I'd been in the hospital for about five hours. That's what you get. Oh my god. That's what you get by reverting to violence in that voice he does. And I wanted to punch him again with the stookie on at that point. Oh my god. Anyway. But no, we my band, we're family. We're like Yeah, yeah, it is. We're thick and thief. You know, we've been through, you know, our teenage years or years of dating or years of marriages, divorces, children. I mean, literally, we've been through everything. Yeah, yeah. How are you? Um, I noticed you've got, hopefully, God willing, some tour dates coming up. A lot of tour dates coming up. Yay. Please, God, get me this house. Please, God. Please, God. Please, God. How do you prepare for that? I mean, like, rehearsals and mentally and physically getting ready for physically, that? Physically, I do a few... I actually go like that. Oh, excellent. I'm going on tour. The diet plan is coming in. <laughs> My hips are going to get smaller. You know, I'm running up down the stage for tours every night. Wow. I mean, the funny thing is, is when you first go out, see the first couple of days, there, there's points where you're like, holy mother of God, you know. You're trying to get to match fitness. You know, you, you I don't, I'm not a gym bunny at all. No, no. I don't do gyms. Seriously, I'm just like I don't want to be in the in in that uh, environment with people going <sighs> and sweating over the shot and like oh no God I don't even breathe all that rubbish and I'm like no chance especially now I don't I'm like no way um so no I'm not I'm not a gym person at all but I'm relatively I'm I'm quite active I'm always doing things in the garden I'm always running around the house I'm not a couch potato so I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite active you know Misty keeps me young dancing around I'm the kitchen sure. like, oh my gosh. she keeps me dancing around the kitchen like an absolute nutter she said to me the other night she said to me right okay mum listen she puts on Boney M's Rasputin oh, right yeah. she yeah. says to me have you seen she said to me have you seen the have you seen the TikTok and I was like no she went right look you gotta do this and then she plays me boney m like i've never heard boney m before i was like misty this was a record when i, I was like a teenager at which point she started going down and doing cossack dancing and she's like can you do oh, that hysterical. i nearly broke my back literally i'm like so there's a bit you gotta look at it on the set you do the whole dance you go and then you do you have to do the whole thing it goes on and on and on and on and on. And then you meet in between it, do a bit up and down Cossack dancing. It is honest to God. It's it's crazy. So yeah, that that's that's the stuff that keeps me fit. You're messing about with catching my music on. Wow. And then rehearsals, had you I guess you have to do that remotely. Well no, we'd we'd probably we'll go into a bubble. Right. 
So, right, right, right. Um, you know, w- we did something last year where basically we were all tested, COVID tested. I had to make video as well. So, like, what it is is they, they keep it down and every one of us is tested. Yes, and we're, yeah. then we're, we're put in a bubble. Well, I, I hope that happens. I really, you know what, I really hope. I think I think we're all going to have a very different mindset um, in the future of really enjoying moments and really just letting ourselves go. I think there's going to be total euphoria when bands get out on, on the road again. And oh, yes. for the bands and for the audiences, I think we're just all going to be like, <laughs> it's going to be good. It's almost going to be like the first time around again when you first ever went onto stage. Yeah, well, it's, do you know it's really weird? It's almost like this pandemic is almost it's like it's like we've hit the we've hit the big red button, boom, restart. And yeah. I really hope that it's going to. I, I hope it's going to really, really change the world for the better. I sound I sound like I'm on a beauty pageant, don't I? I hope it changes the world for the better. No, but I really, I really do. I mean, I think it. I think we've seen a lot of amazing people come out of this pandemic who've done amazing things um, and helped people a lot less better off than themselves. And and I guess maybe it's changed a headspace of where we'll realise how precious life really is and how precious our friendship and those just. Meetings as you stand and suddenly chant to somebody, and and when you're in line for something, and like oh, da, 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 and just just that human contact. We've I think we're hopefully going to realise how how you know very very important it is to all of us. Oh, I hope so. I was saying to someone yesterday, if if that person through last year isn't empathetic now, they're never going to be. They're always going to be miserable. And well, as you and I have said constantly, you know, we've been saying this is that it definitely has shown some people up to be really not nice people. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that's kind of like you that that's like okay, good. You know, the dregs will always eventually float to the surface. No, you're completely. That's a good analogy, actually. Honestly, I could keep talking to you. How can you keep talking to me? You mean you're bored looking at me? <laughs> no, no, because I, I kind of, I wanted to talk about like your gardening, cutting the dogs, cutting poor Socks's hair. Oh my god, Socks is here. Jesus, that poor dog. I, you know, that was one of those moments where I did just think, how hard can it be? I was a hairdresser. <laughs> I must be able to. Like, honest to God, that dog. We had her on the the dining room table. Misty was holding, her and I was like, and Misty was going. Oh, I mean, there was points where the dog was literally like, like, oh, if you'd seen her. But then I clawed it back, and then I'd claw it back, and then I get a bit bold, and then I go, oh, I'm going for a bit of this bit, and then I go, oh, it's gone again, I've lost it again. But eventually, she looked all right by the time I'd finished. It took me about two and a half hours. Wow! Wow! I was there; my arms were killing me. Poor dog was like, let me out of here, please. <laughs> we got there. Oh. Thank you so much. Did you know it's my Cape Cod t-shirt? I've noticed that. I was noticing that, your Cape Cod t-shirt. People aren't going to, this is audio, which is a shame. We might have to do. They're not going to see it. Thank God they're not going to see it. You could see what I look like, folks. Oh, my good God. You'd be like. That's lockdown. That is lockdown for you. Yeah. I I ain't giving it lockdown chic, I can assure you. (laughs) 
Lockdown check, more like it. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the last episode with Charlene. Our next guest is someone Charlene and I have known for some years and I've seen their career skyrocket. This person started as a fashion photographer and then moved into his passion of making films. He's made a war film, recently a horror film, to be nominated for an Oscar and has lots more nominations. Best this, best that, BAFTAs. Please tune in to our next guest and hear the conversation veer off down many lanes as we speak to the talented and still humble Sean Ellis. Thank you always for listening.